Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 98 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where over 2,000 members are talking about baseball all the time. Baseball lives 365 days a year in the group. And there's just been a lot of discussions going on as a lot of players have been signed, traded, and sub drafts are getting ready to get started. First-year player drafts, the same thing, if you didn't know the difference. And also draft and hold leagues have been getting put together in the group. So if you're looking to get into baseball league or you're just looking to talk baseball with a bunch of people who are just as passionate, come join the group. Finally, if you would like to support the show, the best way you could do so is to uh, go to iTunes and write us a review and leave us a five-star rating. That's the way they help us get our name out there. And if you were to do so, we would be greatly appreciative. Links to all of the Twitter accounts, Facebook group, and iTunes links are all in the show notes. On tonight's episode, it is part two of the third base preview. Andrew and I recorded a couple nights ago the third baseman uh, ADP on the NFBC website. We cut it in half like we always seem to do with these um, position previews, and we are going to get into the second half where you will hear about the rest of the third baseman that we did not discuss yet. So we'll kick into that now. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Okay, next up, we're gonna we have uh, at number eleven Jeff McNeil, ninety fourth overall, and Max Muncy's at ninety seven. And we're gonna cover both those guys at second base podcast. As I said before, I'm trying to pick the position I think they're gonna be started at most. And then thirteen's Alec Baum, and I would have talked about him him more on this podcast, but. I didn't realize we went. Uh, we actually discussed him on the last one. I meant I should have had him on the third base, and I still got a couple questions on that in a sec. Uh, 14's Matt Chapman at 114 overall, and I thought I'd ask you it this way: a new question this way. Wh- who would you rather have between Bohm and Chapman for 2021? I think it's pretty even. Um, I think that Bohm is a little more exciting. Um, I think he's just got a little bit more upside, but Chapman's safe. I mean, he's rock solid. I I just don't see like with Chapman. I feel like it's mostly three categories, and I feel like um, I feel like Bohm has more upside in batting average department, especially. So he's probably more of a wild card too. I mean, if if one of them's gonna disappoint it's probably Bohm. so i don't know it's close I, I think they're pretty pretty even it probably depends on who you built around to or put around them you know it's if you need to go for a little bit more ceiling or a little bit safer so i think for me it's chapman i was thinking about this one and i'm um, doing a little digging on Ch- on chapman and last year's ADP was 86, and it's now 114 after the hip injury that led to his season ending short last year. And I'm starting to think this could be a good buying opportunity for him in drafts. 
He said he was dealing with this injury on and off again during this season. And he was still pretty close to the same guy in 2019. Batting average fell a little at the end. But as I was looking, he was hitting 254 at the end of August, just a week or two before the injury. So I think I'm liking him here in the eighth round. And I think I'd take him over. Bomb, I'm not saying I, I'm def. I probably would take one if they fell. I'd take either one. I think they are pretty close, like you said. I think I'm taking Chapman first, but I'd rather take the second one. The other the other thing to keep in mind is Bohm can play both corner slots. Yep. I mean, I just feel like they're different. Like they're I don't really I don't really view them like next to each other kind of like they are here. It's just I feel like they're really different players, so that I agree with. I I do agree Bohm has more upside and floor, lower floor. As I'm thinking about them, I think Baum has a much better chance of finishing with a higher batting average. But I think, oh yeah, I think definitely. I would feel pretty confident, confident saying that I think I would project more home runs for Chapman too. Baum could break out, and it could happen. But I think I'd still favor Chapman on that end. So it's kind of a what you're looking for thing. If you're looking for a little more safety and not too worried about the categories that right really that you're getting from either one, I think Chapman. You're looking for upside bomb. Yeah, and for the record, I mean, I I'm with you on Chapman too. I mean, I I traded for him this offseason in RM three. I think that it's probably a good buying opportunity. Stocks down a little bit. Um, I like both of them here. Actually, I really do. Yeah. Okay, moving on to the next group, uh, we got Tommy Edmond, who is at 132 overall, second base, third base, shortstop, and outfield eligible, and we're going to talk about him on second base. And I, I noticed as I was going down these lists, it seemed like there are a lot of these guys that I'm adding to the second base podcast, and I'm really curious when we actually get to second base if this is some long show because I've dumped everybody there or the rest of the position so ugly that I'm really glad I did it. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Um, Chris Bryant is at 136, and Cabrian Hayes, same spot, 136 overall. Who of this group are you taking first? Just Brian Hayes or counting Edmund? Uh, uh, well, all three. Uh, draft and hold, I'm taking Edmund because of the versatility pretty easily. I Second base, third base, shortstop, outfield, best possession position or most versatile position eligibility on the board. Um, 15 15 steamer projection. I, I actually think it's 16 steals, but um, so a little different skill set than a lot of guys at this position. But with a guy like that, you don't want to have him locked in in one spot. So moving, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really categorize Edmund with any position i just look at yeah. him as a versatile the versatile guy. piece yeah yeah a guy that you just move around um well, I think so let's between, go bryant and hayes then yeah i think between bryant and hayes i'm taking bryant and um i actually got bryant in one of my drafts i was close to the max pick on him i actually got him at 173 in the 12th round gee and um just felt really good. I mean, I, I've i kind of been saying for the last few years, like I feel like Bryant's in a pretty steep decline, you know, since he was going in the first round. And, I mean, it's fairly obvious that's been the case. But it's like it gets to a point where 
you just feel, you know, you want to buy into a, a bounce back. I mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily take him here at 136, but I don't hate it. And where I got him in mine, I like it. I mean, round 12 is good. And, and honestly, I, I'm okay with Hayes too. I mean, Hayes is going to give, or he's going to provide some steals. I do think some of what he did was a little bit um, misleading because of the inflated BABIP and stuff like that. It's just not going to happen again. But um, he's still always been, as much as I've been down on him as a prospect, he's been a good prospect that started off well, you know, had a good year last year. And um, small sample, obviously, but impressive too. So, but yeah, I would take uh, I would take Bryant and bank on him returning some level of, you know, if, if he can perform like a seventh, eighth round pick, which I don't feel like is out of the question and maybe even better than that. And you're getting him, you know, lower than that. So I kind of like Bryant's price this year a little bit. I'm with you on Bryant, you know, pretty much locked up on everything you said. Um, He's trending down. I mean, it's crazy when you look at where, how much has changed in just four. I remember, I remember, I remember dynasty startups where it was Trout or Bryant. They were the top two. Like it was, they were the top two guys. Even even read. I want to say even redraft leagues. I mean, Trout was always kind of ahead of him, but he was that guy. Like in right there, you know. In 2017, in our startup, he was a top five pick. I think it went Trout Harper Bryant, and if not, it went Trout Bryant Harper. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely been a fall. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and. He looked cooked this last year. 206 batting average, four home runs, 20 home runs, and 11 RBI. And the stat cast has been ugly for a few years now. But he had the shoulder injury in 2018. And he had the really disappointing year, hit 272 with 13 home runs and 100 games. And there were people that were scared of him after that year. And he rebounded pretty well in 2019 with 31 home runs and 282 average. And I think that type of production is still there. I don't think the MVP 35, 35 and 100 or 35 home runs, 300 batting average, 100 and like 100 plus runs in RBI. I don't know if that's there anymore, but I think he can still be a really productive player. Be not too far from that, really. So yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, it, again, it's one of those things where, and like I say this all the time, but. It's like cost versus, you know, risk versus reward. You're always every single pick that's kind of in my head. And I, I kind of look at this like Chris Bryant's going in round nine, 10, whatever. I got him 12. But, you know, in that range, we'll say rounds nine to 12. And, you know, of all the outcomes that are possible, how many of them are really going to kill you here? Mm-hmm. And how many of them are going to be profitable? And I just feel like more of more of the potential outcomes are going to be profitable at pick 136 or, you know, later, wherever you take them right in here. So that's just, um, yeah, that's just how I feel about it. I mean, if he's really bad again, then maybe I'll regret it. But it's just, I don't know. It's like, oh, you know, when they fall far enough, it's kind of, you know, like when everybody's out, I always say like when everybody's out, that's kind of when you want to start thinking about getting in because there are a lot of guys 
just in the entire landscape, you know, what, whatever position it may be, that it's like everyone's swearing off of them. Like, oh, I don't want, I don't want them, I don't want them. And then they just fall so far. It's like, why wouldn't you want them? They don't cost anything. Not that, not that a tenth round pick is nothing, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, if I, I just feel like there's a lot of uh, a lot of potential here for growth or uh, profit, I should say, is probably the better word. If you aren't noticing, the theme Andrew said at the very beginning is take what falls to you, and this is continuing to be the I'll take whatever th- I'll take him if he falls. And Bryant, yeah, another one of those. Uh, John Dean did also ask about Bryant, and he asked about his ceiling and floor if he's traded to Atlanta. I hate to be boring here, but once again, just like Washington, I don't think it would be that different between the Cubs and Braves. Maybe a few more runs in RBI in Atlanta, but the Cubs lineup, as it stands right now, still isn't that bad to where I think it's pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. Uh, a bump if he goes to Atlanta, I think, but... Um... The main thing, I think, with Brian, you just want to see him out there every day, healthy, and he should be able to return value if if he can do that, whether he's in Chicago, Atlanta, or anywhere else. Moving on to Cabrian Hayes, looking at him when I did some digging, the one thing that really stood out to me was a 92.8 mile-per-hour exit velocity. And I've just this offseason started paying attention a little more to exit velocity numbers and that's a pretty high number when you that's a really high number from what I'm seeing people say and um but like in talking about him versus Bryant one thing that um really is worth mentioning is a guy like Bryant's going to be way ahead of him I think in runs plus RBI I mean what Cabrian Hayes has around him in that lineup it's just I mean you're not going to have the opportunities that a guy like Chris Bryant's going to have. I mean, right now the Pirates lineup around um, Cabrian Hayes is Adam Frazier hitting leadoff, and behind him is Colin Moran and Brian Reynolds and Greg Polanco. It's just not good. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. And I feel like it's really easy to, uh, you know, we're kind of in an age where you just, you tend to want to just think about the player mm-hmm. and not think about the team around him. Um, and I think in most cases, or at least a lot of cases, that's probably good process and something that you should do. But the pirates are an extreme and I feel like you just have to think about that. I mean, that team is so bad. And like you said, now Josh Bell's gone. I mean, it could probably get to a point where Brian Hayes is getting pitched around because that team is so bad. If he, you know, if he's really good or good enough, whatever. I mean, the guys behind him are just crap. So, yeah, it's a tough spot. I mean, I do think that Hayes. Uh, I think he's capable. Like kind of like we said with, obviously with R- Jose Ramirez and a uh, little bit with Mancada. But I feel like he's capable of double digit steals, and you know, seventy ninth percentile sprint speed, and he's always had decent stolen base totals in the in the minors for uh especially for this position so uh something to keep in mind if you need to add some steals in like a creative way i feel like he can do that a little bit um yeah i don't know i don't really know a ton of what to expect i kind of want to see a little more out of him but it was definitely an impressive debut 300 expected batting average i mean 
puts the bat on the ball. He walks. I mean, not crazy strikeout numbers. So pretty solid player. I feel like he's probably probably going to be all right. And the launch angle is definitely not showing an uppercut swing. That is one other thing I wanted to add. So I don't. I personally and Steamer doesn't see like a twenty-plus home run bat. They they see upper teens, but I don't. If if you're hoping for a twenty-five-ten guy, I think you might be overshooting a little bit. Unless that launch angle it changes and goes up a little bit more this next year. Um, next up is Gio Urshela with the Yankees at one fifty-five. He's in a tier by himself. He's 20 picks after Cabrian Hayes and 35 picks before the next third baseman. Do you have any interest or anything to add on Gio? Not a ton. I mean, really good, uh, really good batted ball data last year. Uh, doesn't really run at all, so you're not getting that. But um, potentially a guy that can tr- contribute in four categories and uh, seems like he's kind of got playing time locked down, which was a question previous or more of a question previously. I do feel like he's going to hit near the bottom of the order, assuming their guys are healthy, which obviously is a big question with the Yankees because a lot of their guys are really injury prone, but um, it's a really good lineup. I mean, he's, he's a solid player. I It's not a guy that I typically target because I mean, I usually feel like if, if I'm taking somebody, I'm taking a guy higher than this or I'm waiting longer, but, um, probably probably underrated by a lot of people, including myself. Looking at him and seeing projections and looking what he's done, it almost seems like he, he's pretty similar to Cabrian Hayes in, in terms of skill minus the speed. I mean, I think they're pretty close to the same guy minus the speed, but he's in a better lineup, even though he's going to hit lower in the lineup most likely than Cabrian Hayes does. It's a better situation for runs in RBI. But, yeah, Cabrian Hayes minus the speed. That's what I'll say about Geo as I'm looking at him. Um, moving on to the next tier here, we got Josh Donaldson at 191, Gene Segura at 195, and um, we'll, again, save him for the second base podcast. Uh, Andres Jimenez, who is second, third, and shortstop, saving for second base. Brian Anderson at 211, and J.D. Davis at 213. So let's start with Donaldson. We're we've both been fans. Really the last couple of years I think we've liked his price the majority of those years, but the injury history is there. He's played in three quarters of a season, so hundred and twenty games for the most years and then, you know, uh, last year was would have been forty five games, just once in the last four years, and that wasn't last year. Knowing that, are you still in on him at this price? Yeah, definitely. Um, this is one of my one of my guys that I like to target this year. I feel like I don't know. It's just one of those. Um, his steamer projection is the seventy sixth best hitter, um, just pure you know dollar value, and he's going at one ninety one. Um, he walks a ton, and has such a long, extensive track record of being a good hitter. Right now. Roster Resource has him hitting third for the Twins, which is obviously a a nice spot. Um, I do feel like he is a higher injury risk than most hitters. I tend to kind of not 
care a lot about injury risk with hitters because I think it's fluky and uh, can just be overstated at times. But I do think that he has some injury risk for sure. And um, I think that there's a chance that they start using him some at DH. Now, it's obviously going to depend on what else they do this offseason. Right now, he's still slated at third um, on roster resource, but I feel like some of that is fluid, too. Like, they have Kirloff at DH, and I I don't know how much I see that personally. But, um, you know, it, it, it could turn into one of those things where they're saying, Josh Donaldson is a really good hitter. We need him in our lineup, and we need to keep him healthy. And the best way to do that is to DH him. That's what happens when guys turn 35 and they're good hitters. And I feel like he is that. I mean, on-base skills are nuts. I mean, he walks a ton, and he has a lot of power. So, yeah, it's just it's a it's an overall skill set that I really like, and I feel like that the majority of – you know, anything negative you're basically going to say at this point is just health related. And while I get that that is a concern, it's kind of a spot in the draft where I'm comfortable taking it and then, you know, probably backing him up fairly quickly. In my last draft, I took him higher than this. I I tend to target him a little earlier than 190, but um, and I backed him up with Kyle Seeger. And I just feel like between those two guys, I'm going to have a productive third baseman. You know, if I if I absolutely have, you know, have to take Donaldson out because he's hurt. I have Kyle Seager in there. And I mean, Kyle Seager in the shortened season was the number three third baseman. We'll get to him. But I'm just saying that, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, I take him and then, okay, I do like Donaldson, but I also feel like it's smart to back him up, too. That's a draft and hold. And you know, other leagues with IL slots, maybe you treat it a little bit differently, stuff like that. But yeah, I like Donaldson at his price. I just think he's a good proven hitter with a track record and a good lineup. And when the main question is health, I'm generally going to be in, but I do think that he does have health concerns. And if, and if he's banged up for a lot of the year, I honestly won't be that surprised. It's just a spot. I'm comfortable doing it. I'm glad you said the, backing him up with Seager that was going to be my suggestion I had two things I was going to say one I would not be targeting Josh Donaldson if I had had taken some injury like guys who have heavy injury risk to them which it's again hard to predict but the two examples if I drafted Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton I might be a little more hesitant to draft a Josh Donaldson but also I'd be aggressive trying to get another third baseman either as my corner utility or in the reserve rounds be quick to grab one because you want to cover in case something happens to him so yeah that i'm glad you said that about seeker and that was going to be my other point was make sure you get another third baseman quickly if he's your starting third baseman yeah i mean the last the last full season in major league baseball 2019 josh donaldson hit 259 with 37 home runs and 190 runs in RBI. Beautiful. 90, 96 and 94. I mean, that's that's really, really good. You know, and I, I feel like those skills are still there. His walk rate was even higher last year than it was that year. And I don't know. I just, 
just one of those guys that I trust. But yeah, aside from the health, I, I like I said, I, I get the health and I, I really do feel like it's it'd be smart for them to make him their DH. Yeah, I, agree. I don't know. I don't know exactly how they would move guys around because they have guys that they could move, move a little bit. I don't know who would play third base, but well, Royce Lewis um, might I, be the option. By I just feel like, I feel like they need to make him the DH and he could stay healthy and mash all year. I just, and they need that. I mean, cause he's, he's a good player when he's in there. So we'll see what they do. I'm, I'm curious to see if they sign anybody else and how that triggers it. Plus Kirilov, Larnick, Royce Lewis are all guys that could play this year. So, you know, I think Kirilov definitely will. And the other two possibly. And, um, you know, they can move around different spots and shift other guys because they are in there and, you know, who knows. But, yeah, I just think it'd be smart for uh, the Twins to at least be considering that. Yeah, Royce Lewis is the one that sticks out to me as you were talking that I was thinking he makes a lot of sense to slide him or Jorge Polanco, one of the two of them over there by midseason. Okay, um, Brian Anderson and J.D. Davis. They're basically the same guy, right? Or would you take either one of these guys as a corner? Yeah, possibly. They're pretty much the same guy, yeah. I think I like Anderson a little more, but close. I'd probably a couple guys in the next tier that I might wait on, but yeah, they're fine. I will say this on Davis. I think that he, with the with the Mets getting as aggressive as they are, and it wouldn't surprise me if they're still making moves and he turns into a super utility guy. I think that risk is there with him. Yeah. It's slight, yeah, but I, I think it's there. I think that's I think that's actually why I like Anderson. I feel like Anderson's just going to play, but yes. He's ridiculously boring too. I get that, but <laughs> Were you going to save you had on here uh Segura and Jimenez, you're going to save them for second? Yes, those are for second. Okay. Guys, so we'll talk about gotcha. them next week. And that moves us to the next tier where I've got 24 through 30 on the third baseman. David Fletcher at 219, second base, third base, shortstop. We'll go on and throw him in here. Um, Justin Turner, 221 overall, the 25th third baseman. Austin Riley's at 226, 26th. Uh, 27 is Willie Castro. 28, Jaime Candelario at 243 overall. Ryan McMahon is at 257, and Kyle Seeger at 263. There are a few interesting names for me on this list. Uh, Turner, Riley, and Seeger are all guys I'd take interest in. Uh, any, What names appeal to you on this one? Yeah, I've always really liked Justin Turner. Um, really good hitter. Uh, curious to see where he lands, and I know he's older. I, I feel like you have to temper your expectations with games played and stuff, but, uh, man, hitting third on the Dodgers is such a good spot these last few years. May not may not be the case this year, but it's been, uh, been nice. And I just feel like his price is always pretty good. I just think he's a good hitter. Um, Candelario, I, I can get behind a little bit too. I, I like some of his, um, hard hit rates and stuff like that. And I know he's going to play. So probably a little bit underrated cause he's in Detroit. And I feel like some of those guys are, they just kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit, but he's going to have playing time and, has power and stuff like that. So like him as a corner guy, maybe. And then uh, Kyle Seeger too, like we mentioned previously. I mean, Kyle Seeger's one of those guys. It's like nobody, um, 
nobody really loves him, but it's like pick 260, and he's going to play. And like I said, this past year, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right what I said, but I'm pretty sure he finished as the number three third baseman. And nobody would say, like, Kyle Seeger has upside, but <laughs> if you finish as the number three third baseman, I mean, that's pretty good. So, um, yeah, I just feel like some uh, kind of a mixed bag here. Riley, Riley's interesting. I, I've never really been on him. Like, I've never loved it. But, you know, if if you could tell me that he was going to hold down the spot, I could see him breaking out. I mean, I, I – I think like on a team like that, you know, as good as Atlanta is and stuff, he's going to have to he's going to have to really uh really hit and perform to keep uh keep playing every single day and be uh be good for fantasy owners, but I think he could do it. And um I wouldn't be that shocked if next year we're talking about Austin Riley going 100 spots higher. I mean, it it wouldn't shock me. He's got power. He's in a good lineup. It really just kind of needs to all come together for him so we'll see uh we'll see if this is the year yeah riley had really big improvements in the in the strikeout department he in that rookie year it really struggled in the 80 games that he played you know he got off to that scorching hot start and everybody was in love with him and then it got real ugly and even during the scorching hot start you could see that he had like a 33 percent strikeout rate or whatever it was and not walking at all and it's like okay sell this guy if you've got him and anybody's buying into what he's doing and it got really ugly and he cut that rate significantly this last year i mean again it's 51 games but it was only a 23 percent strikeout rate and when you look at his his hard hit rates and everything else i mean he's hitting he his stat cast data is pretty good on that top part about that when he's making contact he's making really good contact and he, he could walk a little more his exit velocity, 91 miles an hour, is pretty good. Launch angle is really high to where, yeah, I think there's some upside here with this guy. Yeah, and I think the Braves are going to give him a shot. I mean, he may fall on his face. It could, last year could have been an aberration, and he'd go right back to striking out too much, and I wouldn't be shocked, but I think there is some buying. I think that he, yeah, like you said, he could be going 100 picks higher next year. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't <clears throat> surprise me. I mean, especially when you look at the guys kind of going around him right here, it's, it's not too hard to kind of squint and see it. So, so we talked earlier about people switching teams and I think we're in the same boat. It's got to be extreme situations and Justin Turner hitting third on the Dodgers is another one of those extreme situations where it's a great landing or it's a great, I mean, there's not much better spot you can be in pro sports than hitting third for the Dodgers. Um, would he get downgraded if he left the Dodgers? Yes. I don't, I mean, I'm trying to think of other possibilities as to where he could go. Let's I say he signed with really... the St. Louis Cardinals. I like to always throw them in there. They could they could squeeze him in. It's not going to happen, but let's say he signed with the Cardinals. I just think they're a pretty neutral team. Well, I mean, I think that, anybody is a downgrade from the Dodgers. Yes. So I, I think some, I mean, the, the main, um, the main thing with Turner is I just, he's just a good hitter, you know, like he's always, you know, really high batting average floor and enough power, you know, not a ton, but, um, 
just a really good hitter. So I, I feel like whatever team he's on, he's probably going to hit pretty high in the order and just do what he does. And the main thing, you just hope he stays on the field because when he when he's on the field, he's good. So um, I think you down ticket a little bit, but I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't move him down a ton or anything. I mean, I I like this spot. I, is there any chance he retires? I don't think so. I don't think he's I always, talked about I it. always feel I always feel like and I, I think I mentioned this before, but I just always feel like when it's this time of year, it's like a thirty five to thirty eight year old and they're unsigned. I have that in the back of my head. Like, yeah, he could just retire. I, I mean it's possible. You know, it's possible. I'm not I'm not predicting that or saying it will happen with him. I hope it doesn't because I think he's still really good, but I also don't necessarily know how much it matters that he's really good. Maybe he just Maybe it's time, you know. I don't know. It's. I think that way a little more with guys who are playing at league average ball when they're playing. But this guy's been like a 300, 400, 500 hitter, uh, slash line hitter in two of the last four years. And yeah, he hasn't done that the last two years, but he's still not been far off of those. Yeah. To where I, I just think he's got too much in the tank to go. Right yeah. Now. I no, think there's going to be suitors. I'm with you. I'm <laughs> with you. I'm just. It's. Um... Call me impatient, I guess, for <laughs> yeah. it being this time of year and all these guys are unsigned. It's I know I was mentioning it yes I think yesterday or the day before, but it's like kind of driving me nuts right now. I get that it's a different world we're living in right now, but it's uh ready to see where some of these guys go. I was relieved to see today the um LeMayhew and the did the Brad Hand thing ever happen or No, apparently apparently that I don't know what stopped it, but yeah, he did not sign with them today. Okay. I don't know yeah, what happened. Sounded like we were going to get a couple today. I was hoping that was going to open the floodgates, but no, the Yankees were busy, but not ever nobody else was. Well, I guess everybody was having their J15 day right now. Um J2 in January for those of you not who don't understand, yeah. that's for the international players. Um Christopher James also asked about Turner just real quick, what to expect from him next season. 275 with 25 home runs was what he asked and Personally, I think the 25 home runs is probably about right. I'd guess 20 to 25. He, like Donaldson, is an injury-prone guy. Is like I put that label on Turner at his age. But 275, I'll take the over on that. Yeah, yeah, I would take uh, I would take the over. I think that I think Justin Turner's the type of guy that if you told me he hit 315, I wouldn't even you know wouldn't surprise me. Well, no, so. He, just, I mean, he hit 307, 290, Two, 312, yeah. 322 the last four years. Yeah, 292 career. I I um, think there aren't many people I would take over him to win a batting title if I was having to guess. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I think I think over on the average and under, oh, slightly under on the home runs. Yep. Um, I did want to bring up Kyle Seeger. Like, you brought him up about the waiting on – that's a guy – that's a good safe floor guy. And Kyle Seeger for me, like I in a couple of my drafts, I've taken my first baseman in the 150 200 range and and a corner infield and third base, I missed out on my last draft on Josh Donaldson wanted to get him and I missed him. And a lot of these other third basemen, I I really hadn't dug into Riley yet or I probably would have been on him too. So I just waited for a while. And Kyle Seeger fell to me. I don't remember exactly when, but he, I was very relieved to get him. 
I, I, I remember thinking at the time, this is the last third baseman I want to get, and I got him and was real happy. I want to say 15th round. Yeah, I, I, remember you say, I remember you saying that. 15th to 17th round. I don't remember what it was, but I grabbed him, and I was thankful because I feel like Kyle Seeger's the last guy that I would feel comfortable as my third baseman whenever we get to everybody down here. And he's the 30th guy, so, I mean, that means you're waiting. But I'm okay taking a guy like that and having him as my third baseman if I'm real happy with my first and corner. Yeah, or, like, if if you're loaded everywhere else and this is the spot you wait on, I'm fine with it. I mean, and it goes back to everything I've kind of said these last couple podcasts, but I feel I just feel like first base and third base this year, more so first, but this position too, I'm just comfortable waiting because – I feel like you can get productive players in this range. And um, I'm kind of wanting to get like the dynamic power speed guys early and the big starting pitchers early. And, uh, you know, just kind of building my team that way. And, you know, you have to, you have to take something late. And I just kind of feel like corner bats are so deep. I mean, Kyle Seeger was really productive this year and has been in the past. I mean, he's, he's an accumulator or a compiler. I like to call it. I mean, he's the type of guy that's just going to play every day. And at the end of the year, he's going to have his numbers because he played every day and just compiled his numbers. But, um, that's fine. You know, and in this spot, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, a, it's with the corner bats. I just feel like it's deep and something I'm comfortable waiting on this year. Yeah. And these guys are the reason why. I mean, a lot of the guys we've talked about. And as I said, there's that's the end of a tier, and there's a big drop-off to the next tier. It's not for another 43 picks after Seager that the next third baseman goes. I'm going to list off 31 through 40 here. Isaiah Kiner-Falafa at 306. Um, Eduardo Escobar at 307 at 32. I'm just going to start reading them by number, actually. 33rd, third baseman is Joey Wendell. 34th is Edwin Rios. Michael Franco is at 35th. Luis Urias at 36th. Evan Longoria is 37th. Mike Brousseau with Tampa is at 38th. Yandy Diaz, his teammate, 39. And Carter Keboom at 40. So at this point, we're at the end of a regular draft and the beginning of the reserve rounds. Do any of these guys interest you in a standard or draft and hold as a guy to grab? Not really. I mean, I feel like uh, Longoria in a draft and hold after pick 400 is fine because he's kind of like that compiler type like I talked about. I mean, he's going to play a lot. And I know, I mean, a lot of people are high on Edwin Rios. I know, I mean, there's there's an outside chance that he's the third baseman for the Dodgers, which it obviously would be really nice. I I find it a little hard to believe that um, I think the combination of him, them going with him and only him and him being productive enough for them to continue to do so, I don't know how much I believe in that because he swings and misses a lot. And I just, I feel like there's some issues there that can creep up, but um, 
if he does run with a job like on the Dodgers, obviously, I mean, he's going to blow away this ADP too. So kind of have to factor that in a little bit. Um, most of these guys, pretty boring. I mean, you're in like a in a regular league with Fab. I don't even know if you're drafting too many of these guys. I do. I mean, Luis Urias and draft and hold with his position eligibility. Maybe Brousseau, same thing. But um, yeah, nothing too nothing too exciting here. I don't think. Um, you know, with Edwin well, Rios, I was going to bring up this thing. If Justin Turner signed with the Twins tomorrow, I don't know why I just picked the Twins. I don't think he's going to sign with the Twins. But he signs somewhere else tomorrow. I still don't feel confident in Edwin Rios at that point. I think there's a better chance that they'll either sign somebody or Max Muncy will be shifted over there and be starting more games. Yeah. Because... I just, I mean, like you said, there's just a lot of swing and miss in there, and I don't think the Dodgers are the type of team that's going to sit there and allow a guy to be striking out 35% of the time, 30 35%. Right. They've got too many other good hitters, and they can go get another good hitter because they were paying Justin Turner last year. They can take that money towards somebody else. Yeah, that's, go the, get somebody. That's, the tricky, that's the tricky part when it's a team like the Dodgers because, <clears throat> yeah, it looks good on the surface, but – there's so much pressure to continue to hit and keep your spot. And I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm just not sure I'm sold that Edwin Rios would do that. You mentioned Evan Longoria for a backup and you brought it to my attention, but he had a, like, if you look at a stat cast data from 2020, it was really good. I mean, and just listing these off exit velocity, 87th percentile, Hard hit rate, 80th. Uh, Woba, ex-Woba, I should say, 81. 82 on expected batting average. 89 on expected slug. 77 on barrel percentage percent-wise. I mean, it's just really good all across the board. He didn't walk much, but everything else is really good on there. To where he had a fine season, and if you drafted Josh Donaldson, maybe miss out on Kyle Seeger, he's taken as a starter somewhere, and you're looking for somebody behind him, on this list, I think he's the guy to take. I Actually, when I took Seager in my last draft, I did go get Longoria as one of my first picks in when we got to the reserve rounds. I just wanted to lock down another secure guy in case I needed one because I went waited so long on Seager. Yeah, I almost feel like with... Longoria at four twelve, you could do it no matter who you took at third base. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like it matters that much. I mean um and yeah, I, I think I would take him over most of these guys, at least in a draft and hold because yes. of the assured at bats. I mean in a in a fifteen team league with Fab, I'm I'd taking Keyboom. I'd probably take a gamble on Rios or Keyboom or yeah, somebody with a little more potential. Yeah. But um but yeah, Longoria will get at bats, and like I said, draft and hold. He's probably going too late. Like, no matter what he winds up doing, it's just automatic at bats and decent production. So, so let's talk about Keyboom now and transition into that. Jesse Weaver asked, "What the heck are we supposed to do with this guy?" <laughs> and are the my question for you are the Nats going to go into twenty twenty one with this guy as a starter? I mean, he's been brutal in the majors in his first 165 plate appearances. And that's not much, but it's also spanning two years of shot chances. He's just been bad. 
Yeah, yeah, it's been tough. I mean, he's still really young. I feel like some of it should probably be excused, but yeah, it's been tough. Right now he's slated as the starter. Whether that holds, I don't know. I mean, but yeah, it's it's hard to know what to expect. Honestly, I never I haven't been that big on him as a prospect, so I guess a lot of this I'm just not that surprised kind of thing. But that all that said, I do think that uh, people are probably throwing him to the wolves a little sooner than they should be. Yes. I mean, he is really young and like, I, I feel like he hasn't, um, hasn't gotten enough of a fair shake yet to really judge him. Maybe you'll get that this year. So, yeah, he's just 23. I mean, it's still really young, but we'll see. I, I think that um, I think there's still potential there. He's been bad, but it hasn't been it hasn't been a ton of time either. It's curious to see kind of what the next year or two does for him because that's probably going to tell the tell the story. And then uh, you know, like if he's still kind of doing what he's done in a year or two, it's probably going to get pretty ugly. So, Yeah, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to adjust and he's going to be all right long-term. And if you've got a, in a dynasty league and somebody's out on him, yeah, I'd be buying if he was a yeah. cheap enough price. I'm not saying I'm expecting him to become an all-star, but I think he can be a fine player. And I, um, you know, I remember in the minor leagues, and I'm looking at a stat or a Fangraphs page. I can't remember what year it was. I want to say it's 2018, early in the year when he was in high A. He did struggle at the beginning, and then he made adjustments and got real hot after about a month or two of struggling. And I just think he's that type of player. I think he's going to figure it out and he's going to be all right. Yeah, with the just kind of what you're saying with the dynasty, I I feel like if. And I would say this about basically anybody, but uh, he's kind of a good example for it, I guess. But if you have, you know, if his owner is just out, like I'm done, I, I'm ready to just give him away. I would, I would buy him. Um, you know, and if if his owner's holding on tight and doesn't want to move him, then I'd probably wouldn't. But maybe kind of feel him out if you're if you're interested. I mean, I, I think that there's. <laughs> Plenty of people right now are out on Carter Keeble, so might be a might be a good time to check in if you feel like it's um, it's something that you know the guy might be a little out or something like that because there's definitely definitely a lot of people that are. Mm-hmm. Um. So we're the rest of the way is all guys. I'm not going to list off, and I'm going to do some questions about some of these guys, and then ask if there's anybody else in here that's interesting to you. I, I saw two questions that can tie in with a couple of these guys. Um, last week, Dale Coffin asked about Andrew Vaughn and Spencer Torkelson, and Fantrax has Torque as a third baseman right now, so I saved this question for now. Do you think? What do you think the odds are we're going to see him this year? Oh boy, I don't know. I I think it's it's kind of one of those things that um, I think we could. I, I I think that you know if if Detroit was like we're going to bring up Torkelson and they just made that decision and decided to play him, 
I think that there's a chance that he would be their best hitter the day he showed up. I mean, he's he's that good, polished college hitter, tons of power, you know, just a great prospect. I mean, he's already a top 10 prospect. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean it would translate perfectly right away. It doesn't always, but I feel pretty good in saying that he would be one of their better hitters and potentially their best hitter right away. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's going to be up. I mean, I, I took him in, uh, one of my drafts, I want to say in like round 41, 42, somewhere in there. And, um, I did it kind of thinking like this could be a zero, you know, like I, I may not, it was one of those things where I was like, I could use some upside at corner and I just went with it. But, um, and I do think there's a chance they're up this summer, I guess, or he's up this summer. I guess my, my biggest thing though, with him is like when the tigers, you know, you kind of think about the landscape of the season. Like I expect in June or July, I mean, he's not going to be up opening day. He's not going to be up real early in the season. I'd be shocked. Um, but you think, you know, June or July rolls around. I expect the Tigers to be 20 games out of first. What? <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> you know. And um, at that point, are they really saying, well, we got to get torque up? I don't know. You know, it's like, how much sense does it actually make? Now, if they go on a tear at the start of the year, and you know, obviously an unforeseen tear or whatever. You never know. I mean, and I, I think he's capable. It's more like the situation and kind of like, well, if the Tigers do what we think, then do you really think that they're going to be sitting there like, we got to hurry up and get him in the majors, start his clock, you know, whatever you're doing. So I think that it's um, it's possible that we see him this year, but. I won't be, I won't be that surprised either way. Yeah, I was and I about, think if, I was about to I ask. think if we do, I think if we do, it's like later in the year, July, August, and even then, it's like I said, it's tough because I just I don't think they're going to be good. Yeah, I was gonna. The way I was gonna move this question next is over under fifty percent. Which way would you be leaning? Because I'm on the under. I'm I I think that we're not going to see him this year just because the Tigers have no reason to be aggressive. Would would you be more on the under on that? Uh, close. I think it's close to 50%. Okay. But I think it's, like I said, definitely the second half if he's up. Like, not not the first half. I'm just – I would be shocked if it was before, say, July. I'd be shocked. Which probably answers this question for me. In a standard league where you have ads and drops, would you consider taking them with one of those last last bench slots? No. Okay. I, I agree. Unless there was whispers of him being up, but then if there was, everybody would be. Yes, you know. that's why I'm asking. So, I, would you want to be ahead of those whispers and just take the shot right now? No. And then no, see where it lays out if you're doing There's too many there. other... There's too many other guys to take shots on that I feel like have a much better chance of being up early in the year. And the other question we got about another one of these guys on this list are is, What was it about real quick? What was it about Vaughn? Oh, we so, talked said, about it last week. 
I'm pretty sure oh, I asked that one about just yeah, do no, we, we see him. Yeah, no, we talked about Vaughn. I just didn't know if it was like Vaughn versus Torque or something. No, he was just curious about both players and asking if we'd see them this next year. And oh, okay. I already knew the answer. I may not have even asked it because I was pretty up. I mean, we're seeing Vaughn next year. That's pretty likely. Yeah. Um, Adam Vega asks if there's any reason for optimism with Eduardo Escobar or Yoshi Tsutsugo in 2021. You re, do you think either one of those guys could have a bounce? I don't know if you can say bounce back for Yoshi because he's he had one year so far. But do you think Escobar could bounce back? Maybe a little bit. I think he'll get um, the nice thing with Escobar is I think he'll get the playing time just because I don't think Arizona is very good. and He could possibly bounce back a little bit. I've never been huge on him, so it's hard to say. Uh, I do I do actually kind of like Sitsugo. I was going to mention him of the this group that we didn't really read off. Uh, I like that he's dual eligible, uh, pretty good power, walks a lot. It's obviously tricky with Tampa Bay, and he's at least – it's left-handed, so it's right side of whatever platoon he would be on. But um, – yeah, you know, good exit velocity numbers and stuff last year. And I, I just think he's pretty solid, probably better than the than the uh, surface stats looked last year. So I do kind of like Sutsugo. I have him in a dynasty league, and he's dual eligible. So it's not it's like one of those guys I'm not expecting much from. But I, I could see him being a power source, you know, later in the year. So um, I kind of do like him a little bit. Man. I'm right now looking at Escobar and his uh, Statcast page. He's a unique one. Um, really bad. It's like it's ugly when you're looking at the graphs and percentiles for most of them. He's well below average. Even twenty, his breakout 2019, same way. But what stands out is his launch angle. It's been over 18 the last three years in a row, which is a very high number. And but exit velocities are very small, and he, so he's a guy that's got an uppercut swing. He just doesn't make hard contact. So, because I was wondering about that thirty-five home runs and slipping down to four home runs in fifty-four games this last year, and yeah, he's. I think he's going to have to have some luck with the home run to fly ball department to be ever be a thirty-five home run guy again, unless he can start making better contact, which you never. That's hard to buy into. Um, let's see. Uh, we did have one other question actually, or, um, two of them. Uh, Jesse Weaver asked if we last year said we, last year we saw Baum and Cabrian Hayes come up and contribute. And do we see any third baseman coming up this year? And if so, who? And he's suggested maybe one of the Nolans, which would be Nolan Gorman or Nolan Jones. What say you? I don't really, I don't really expect Gorman. Um, I do think there's a decent chance that Nolan Jones is up. And the only thing is, is the Indians' best player <laughs> is their is their third baseman. So, depending on what they do defensively, um, I do kind of think that the Indians are starting to show us that they're trending towards the youth movement and maybe getting some of these guys up. So. I wouldn't be that shocked if uh, Jones came up. I don't know how much I expect him to do for fantasy right out of the gate necessarily, but um, 
he'd obviously be somewhat interesting if he was called up. I mean, he's a pretty good prospect and walks a lot, so could be good for you know OBP leagues better than batting average leagues. But um, Gorman, I don't really see it. Um, I like Gorman as a prospect still, but I don't know. I, I don't really see him being up this year. What do you think? You're the, you're the Cardinals guy, so. Uh, the, you know, I, we don't know what happened with in the 2020 season. He was supposed to have probably been in high A and made it up to double A this last year. I was expecting to see him in double A Springfield at some point during the year. And he's just one of those guys that I think it's going to take some time to get up. I mean, he's not, get up to the bigs. He's a, got a raw swing that with contact issues. So I think he's going to be a guy that's in the minors for a little while. So no, I don't expect him to see. I don't. I like. I would definitely take the under on. Like, do we see him this year? I would lean no. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, anybody else on this list? Because I skipped past that and went to some questions of guys that were on the list. Is there anybody else that sticks? I out? think there's. I think it doesn't stick out, but two two young guys that um. I wouldn't necessarily draft, maybe at like the end of a draft and hold, but I think could come up are uh, Josh Young for the Rangers, mm-hmm. and because they're just clearly in rebuild mode, and he's one of their better options, if you know, one of their better prospects for sure. So him and Jonathan India, I think, mm-hmm. could be up this year potentially. Um, I don't know how much they'll move the needle in fantasy right out of the gate, but. Just a couple guys that I think could come up this year. And you never know once you're given an opportunity. I mean, but yeah, not a not a ton of those types. I mean, like we already we already mentioned Torque. And if Torque comes up, it'll be the talk of the town because he's a monster prospect. I mean, it's it's really just about when he comes up. And um, I could see it being anywhere from second half of the year and anywhere from then until – sometime in 2022 yeah if he's not called up next year we're going to be talking about him a lot when we get to this podcast next year he'll he'll be like you know if he's not called up this year he'll be like jared kelnick vaughn or kelnick is right now like kind of how they're viewed now that'll be in a year Mm -hmm. that'll be torkels that'll be torkelson yep what's interesting about india you know Things change during a season. The Reds have already moved Rizal Iglesias. They're letting Trevor Bauer walk. They've they, they've been rumored to be at least fielding offers on Luis Castillo. I don't hear much about guys in their infield being on the block. I guess that's not true. I've heard Eugenio Suarez. So if they were to move him, I guess that could open up a spot for India in 2021. I was thinking about where he would go unless they tried working him in the outfield. And even then, they've got a lot of outfielders. We got a yeah, lot of bats hard. on that team. Yeah, it's hard to say. They move guys around or somebody gets hurt maybe, but not something I'm necessarily expecting. Just saw his name and feel like there's a there's a chance he comes up. He's got to be, what, 23, 24? I mean, he's he's getting he's up college, there. college bat, so he's not as uh, – I mean, not that that's old or anything. And here, here, I'm over here, Mr. Ancient, but uh, – <laughs> Yeah, it's 24. Um, 24. I mean, for a prospect, it's kind of starting to get to that point where it's time to get something going, you know? It's crazy to think just a few years ago he was the number one player going in first-year player drafts. 
unfortunately, that's not one where, as of right now, he, his stock's gone the other way. So yeah, but I still like I still, him. I, yeah, I still I still hold out some hope for him I more so than I think a lot of people do. But just needs to get in there and see what he can do. I do have one last. I think I've said this three or four times, but I got one last listener question that I just saw. Scott Weinstein asked who the last third baseman is that you'd be comfortable starting. And would you expect your corner infield to come from third or first base generally? Um, I think I've already answered mine. My answer is Kyle Seeger. I feel okay. I would be fine with him if I was, you know, waiting on the position, I'd be okay with him as my third baseman. Cause you got to wait somewhere. And, I think my corner more often than not is going to come from first base, though. I think I see a few more first basemen going late that I like more than some of these third basemen that are going at that same spot. Those are my answers. What about you? Yeah, I hate to agree, but I think I agree with you on both of those. I think Kyle Seager is the last one, and I think that first base, I mean, you know, it kind of gets to the point where if you're – you know, may, maybe if you, you're waiting on Kyle Seeger, you've already filled your corner. I mean, possibly you have two first basemen, but um, when you're in the spot where you can fill your corner, you can obviously look at both. So I, I do think I'm probably filling it with uh, first base more than I'm filling it with third, but could possibly go either way. Yeah. Okay. Well, that covers the corners. We've officially done first and third base now. And next week, we're going to get started on second base, where I have pushed everybody off to. So <laughs> I'm looking right yeah, now. There has, been, there has been quite a few where it's, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, it's position you think that they may play more. I mean, that's, I don't know if that's how you're doing it, but I feel like with most of the ones that you've said, we're going to wait till, you know, like LeMahieu and Biggio and there's kind of the positions they're going to play is second base. So. Andrew, I'm right now on the NFBC ADP for second base, and I hope you're not there because I'm going to ask you a question. The top 20 second basemen, how many of them are multi-position eligible? Um, I'll say seven. You are nowhere near being correct. You're not even halfway there. There are 15, 15? out oh of the my. 20 that are multi-position eligible. Wow. And it does it's 17 out of the first 22. And then oh my gosh, then there's one and then there's six yeah, I'm more. At, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, that's <laughs> Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. There are 18 of the top 29 that means that are multi-position yeah. eligible. Yeah, Albies, Hira, Keto Marte, and Altuve are the only ones <laughs> that are second base only in the top 17. That's insane. Or at least on the – I mine sorted a little differently. I have like last month, so it could be a little different on yours. But, yeah, you get it. Yes. So we'll have plenty of guys to talk about, I guess. And that's a good thing because – and I guess if I had been doing all these other guys on first and third base, we wouldn't have we wouldn't, anybody yeah, to we wouldn't even have Yeah, we wouldn't even have a second base show. We It wouldn't so. be split in half, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it actually would be very compressed, so it's probably a good thing that we did it that way. Yeah, and we're recording this 
on Friday, and as you guys, if you guys listened to the previous episode, you already heard us make our football predictions. So do you, we could talk now about how we got ours right and wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> I told you yeah. the teams I said were gonna win one. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll probably probably go over four, but yeah, well, well, you guys know whether we went over four, but we don't know. Yeah, that. yeah. All right, guys, we will be back on Friday. And thank you all for listening. Until Friday. Take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.